Hello, I'm Clive Nash. Welcome to Let God Speak. Today, we will be discussing the topic of understanding human nature. By that, we mean, are we naturally immortal or mortal? Do we have an immortal soul? Did God really mean what he said when he warned Adam and Eve that sin would lead to death? Or was Satan correct when he claimed they would not surely die? What does the Old Testament of the Bible say? That is what we'll explore in this episode and the next. So take your Bible and follow along as we find out more. Well, on our panel today, we have Stephen Groom and Alan Fisher. Welcome, Stephen and Alan. Hello. Good to have you with us as we discuss this very important topic today. But before we begin, let's all take a moment to pray. Our wonderful Father in heaven, we thank you that you've given us the word of God to be our infallible guide for life, not only for this life, but for life to come. And as we talk today about this very important subject, we pray that the Holy Spirit will guide our minds as we discuss it here on this panel, but also that your Holy Spirit will speak to everyone who is watching or listening to our episode today. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'd like to begin by reading from the first book of the Bible, Genesis, Genesis chapter 2. And I'm going to uh, look at verses 16 and 17. Genesis 2.16 says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But there's a but in verse 17. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Uh, this is sometimes known as conditional immortality. Uh, there's a condition to our being Im immortal. We're not unconditionally immortal. So, uh, Stephen, uh, what lie did Satan promote in contrast to this very clear statement of God's? Yes, and, and here we see the mindset of Satan. If we'd like to go to uh, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4 and 5, the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. So this was in direct contrast to what God had said. And here we see the mindset of Satan contradicting God's word. And that's why it's beneficial for us to know that. And here he says he continues that lie by enticing the woman to, to sin. He says that for God does know that in the day that you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open and you shall be as gods knowing good and evil. So he's saying you'll not only won't you die, but you will attain to a higher level of existence as becoming equal with God. Mm. And um, we know that that was a lie because Adam and Eve are no longer around. They did die. Um, but even today, Satan continues that lie because we have now all become mortal and we all die. But he continues the lie by saying, well, you don't really die, but you live in an another um, existence, another plane. Your soul continues yeah, on. It, it takes various forms, doesn't it? Yes. Uh, you know, whether it's reincarnation or, or going off to hell or heaven or purgatory or, or something like that. Yes. Uh, and Alan, um, 
in what what are the possible uh, viewpoints that uh, that arise as a result of Satan's lie? Well, one is that we have a living soul. If we read Genesis two seven, it says, "And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being." Or some versions, the King James, for example, say a living soul, and it's, we have to notice that he became a living being, became a living soul, not that he was given a living soul. Um, one error that comes from this is that our bodies may die, but that our souls live on. And this leads to two other outcomes from Satan's lie. One is that the souls of the unrepentant must suffer eternally in the fires of hell, and the devil thus misrepresents the character of God. Notice this quote. It says, The prince of darkness represents God as a vengeful tyrant, declaring that he plunges into hell all those who do not please him and causes them ever to feel his wrath. And of course, the second error is the opposite. That is that God's too loving to punish anyone. And so he's going to save everybody no matter how they live. And... Um, Knowing what God has revealed about what happens when we die is thus very important. Hmm. Yeah, so, so Stephen, what sort of principle or method should we be following when it comes to understanding something truth? Yeah, that's a good question. We should stick very close to the word and to see that we look at Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 20. And uh, here we have the standard given. It says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, that's the word of the Bible, it is because there is no light in them. And it's interesting that Isaiah mentions this in relation to um, people who are saying uh, about wizards and, and, and uh, spirits of, of the dead people and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so that's our standard, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's, it's like... Um, how do you know if, a, if a, a line is straight or not? You, you use a straight edge to, yeah. to go up our, our thoughts it. and philosophizing are, are often wrong. So the Bible is our unfailing guide. Hmm. Um, so let's consider um, what God has revealed on this topic in the Old Testament. Um, and to, to set the scene, uh, Alan, did God create human beings differently? To, to the animals? Well, the first thing to notice is that God spoke the animals into existence. We look here at um, Genesis 1, 24 and 25. Then God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and beast of the earth, each according to its kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And then we look on at the um, next verses. It says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. 
In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. So God um, formed man as a, a hands-on process. So somewhat different from the way the animals were, were made. Yeah, so um, I'm going to have a look at um, Genesis 2 verse 19 because now I'm not contradicting what you're saying here, Alan, but it's interesting that in this verse it says, out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the, the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them and so on. So there is some similarity here, isn't there, uh, between the creation both being formed out of the ground. Um, what, what do you think, Stephen or Alan? Oh, it, well, definitely, we, we see that man was given dominion over the earth. So he has been right, vicegerent uh, rulers in God's absence over the animals. We are given the ability to um, worship, among other things, whereas animals just basically live for, for survival. Okay, so this um, this phrase, uh, Stephen, uh, in his own image, um, it marks a profound difference, doesn't it? Yes. Between the animal world and humanity. Yes, and, and looking at twenty seven, verse twenty seven again, it, it says that we are in, or man is in God's image, male and female. He created them. So the combination of male plus female, and God also says that they become one, and both together uh, show the image of God. Yeah, now a lot of um, people, not, you know, this, uh, you ask the average person out there in the street, and they, they've got this idea that, you know, they have a soul, that <laughs> they're maybe going to live on, you know, after death. Um, so we have the body, and we have a soul. But did man actually acquire a soul? At, at creation? Well, that's a good question. Let's have a look at the, what the Bible has to say um, closely in chapter 2, verse 7, where he repeats the um, creation account. And let's look at the detail in verse 7. And it says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living soul. So we hear that the soul is not a separate entity, but it's a combination of the body plus the breath of God, which gives the life, and together they, they are, they are a, a, a soul. The Hebrew here is nefesh chaya, literally meaning a, a living soul. The idea of a soul separate from the body is of pagan origin, not from the Bible. It springs from, you know, Satan's original lie to Eve, you know, you shall not surely die, continuing on today. And death is the opposite of life. We see in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 12, Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verses 6 and 7 that, or ever the silver cord be loosed, or the golden bowl be broken, or the pitcher be broken at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. Now these are all very poetic uh, examples uh, of death. Yeah. And so he says that then, once a person dies, the dust, 
that we are made from returns to the earth as it was and the spirit or breath. Now that word um, can be translated breath as, as it was in Genesis we read before, shall return unto God who gave it. So here we have the opposite of um, a living a person being created to someone dying. They separate and they cease to exist. Hmm. And the claim of scripture is that it's only God who can create life. Yes. Uh, he, it's a miracle that, that you know, can breathe into a person this, this life, this spark of life, which we can't do. Yes. You know, science can't do it. Humanity can't do it. Only God can do it. And, and Alan, what does that say to you about eternal life? Well, only God can give us eternal life. So he offers that to us through saving faith in Jesus. It's, it's, a, it's a comforting thought, isn't it? You know, that, um, that God can give us, uh, just as he can give us life here and now, he can also give us eternal life. Um, I'd like to go a little further into the Old Testament now, into the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel 18 and verse 4 says, Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the Father, as well as the soul of the Son is mine. And then it makes an interesting comment here. Um, this is the word of the Lord, God, God speaking. He says, The soul that sins shall die. Um, Stephen, um, what's, what's significant about this verse? Yes, and in fact, uh, Ezekiel repeats this concept. And I'd like to go to verse 20 of the same chapter. He says, The soul that sinneth, it shall die. The son shall not bear the iniquity of the father, neither shall the father bear the iniquity of the son. The righteousness of the righteous shall be upon him, and the wickedness of the wicked shall be upon him. So does God mean what he really means? When we say, there used to be a saying, um, people used to say there were 20 souls on that boat. He meant 20 persons, not 20 um, spirits floating around. So that's what the word soul means, a person. Yeah, uh, it's very clear, isn't it there, Stephen, as you say, you know, the soul that sins, it will die. Yeah. Uh, it won't live on in some other form. Uh, it will definitely die. Um, now, if we just compare that, uh, we'll just step out of the, uh, the uh, Old Testament just for a moment and go to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 10 and in verse um, 28. <clears throat> Matthew 10, 28 says, And do, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul but rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, what do you think of this verse, Stephen? <laughs> yes, this is a, a difficult text, but basically anyone can kill anyone, really. So don't fear those who can kill you, and that's all they can do. Uh, but be careful of who can kill you. And, and Jesus has called, basically, because of Jesus' sacrifice for us, he calls the first death, death asleep. The second death is what he's talking about here. And it's only God who can um, take, can really kill someone. And we do that by being unfaithful to Jesus. So, so he's basically saying, Matthew is saying here, be careful of someone who can take you away from your relationship with Jesus, because that will bring ultimate death to you 
in, in the judgment. Yeah, they can, someone who can deny you eternal life. Yes. That is, is what he's talking about here. And I, I like what it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin, thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Um, well, without wanting to be uh, too gloomy, I want to go back to the Old Testament again. And uh, once again, let's look at Ecclesiastes, written by the, the wise man. Uh, some say the the wisest man who ever lived. <laughs> um, and we'll have a look at Ecclesiastes chapter uh, 3 and verses 19 and 20. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verses 19 and 20. Now here the scripture says, uh, For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them as one dies, so dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over animals for all his vanity. And then he adds in verse 20, uh, all go to one place. All are from the dust and all return to dust. So as I say, I, mean, I don't want to be too gloomy with this, this sort of outlook <laughs> or this uh, prognosis for us, but um, is there any difference between man and the animals? Well, in some ways not, but there is a difference because the plan of salvation is only applies to, to man, to human beings. Whoever believes in Jesus can have eternal life. And as we were reading before in Ezekiel 18, where it was repeated twice, the soul that sins shall die. And so really the Lord is saying the person who sins will die. As Steve mentioned before, you know, we sometimes use this expression in everyday speech today. You know, we say we, we went to the shop and thought we'd have to wait, but there wasn't a soul there and we, mm -hmm. we got straight in. So it's not saying that there's a, a, the soul is a spirit floating around somewhere after death, separate from the body. If we were to believe that, we have to try and juggle the truth of the Bible to fit in the resurrection. We'd have to say that God has to somehow reunite the, um, the soul and the body. But the second coming of Jesus is a time of, of renewal, not of reunion. Um, the Bible truth is that life is renewed at the second coming. Let's have a look over here in, in the New Testament at, at John, John 6, 40, where it says, Jesus is speaking, he says, and this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Yeah, uh, that's a, it's a wonderful promise in the words of Jesus here, isn't it? And Stephen, does the promise of, of Jesus' second coming uh, mean something real to you? Oh, yes, most certainly. I mean, this is a consummation of all the, for the hope of the Christian. You know, since sin has entered the world, we have a lot of injustice. We see the righteous perishing and we see the wicked prospering, as the Bible says in many places. But um, so we know that injustices are happening in this life. In fact, God's people are sometimes killed and vice versa. The wicked are living longer. But we know that when Jesus comes again, he will make all things right. 
He will raise all his people from the dead. He will give them eternal life and he'll bring justice to those who who are wicked. They will be sent to sleep. And so the world will be turned upside down again. And this is where Jesus reign will begin. And that's the hope for the Christian. Mm. Let's uh, let's go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter two and verse seven says that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And then in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse seven says, talking about death, as we referred to before, the same, we looked at this text a moment ago, then the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit or the breath will return to God who gave it. Um, so, so, Alan, do you see any similarities or differences in these two thoughts? Yes, well, they're both, um, it's one sort of the opposite of the other, isn't it? God gave the first, the first man, the first couple, he gave them breath. And then at death, the breath returns to God who gave it. God gave it in the first place and it goes back to him. So really death is the reverse of creation. So if everybody had a, both the righteous and the wicked had an immortal soul and that soul returned to God, well, where are all these souls of the wicked? They're surely not in heaven, but rather it's just that death is ceasing to exist. But God gave breath and then the breath returns to him. But we have the um, blessed hope that when Jesus returns, we'll live again and the dead will be raised incorruptible. Thank you, Alan. Uh, I'd like to go to what is considered to be the oldest book of the Bible, and that's the book of Job. And in Job chapter 3 and verse 11, it seems as though Job was, uh, you know, he was pretty downcast because of the you know, illness that he had, the, the boils and plague or whatever. It's, anyway, he says here, why did I not die at birth? Uh, Job 3 verse 11. Why did I not perish when I came from the womb? Verse 12, why did the knees receive me or why the breasts that I should nurse? And then he's really gloomy in verse 13 says, he said, for now I would have lain uh, still and be quiet. I would have been asleep. Then I would have been at rest. <laughs> um, you know, this, if I had actually died at birth, I, I would have been at rest. Um, so did he have the, the truth about death, do you think, Stephen? Oh, most definitely. About sleep um, and so on? Yeah. Yes. He is rightly saying that death is asleep. It is a term used very much in the New Testament too. Um, another Old Testament evidence is given in the Psalms. I'd like to read Psalms 115, verse 7, 17. 115, verse 17. It says that the dead praise not the Lord, neither any that go down into silence. So they don't praise the Lord and they're silent. Um, and Psalms, I'd like to continue in Psalms 146, verse 4. And it says, speaking about the death of a person and the opposite to life, it says that his breath goes forth, he returns to this earth, in that very day his thoughts perish. So we see that when we die, we cease to exist, our thoughts perish until the resurrection. Now, if this is just a one or two points, well, then we could dispute it with other texts. But the term death is asleep is used um, 
66 times in the Bible. And if anyone would like to see that, they can email LGS and I'll make that available for them to see all the text. Yeah, so Alan, does this idea of death being like a sleep uh, give you any comfort? Oh, yes, indeed. Well, for one thing, I don't fear um, burning in hell forever. And on the other hand, when you do die, no matter how long I'm sleeping, it's just a moment. It just seems like a moment until Jesus comes. It's like when you go to sleep at night. You know, you wake up in the morning and you don't know what happened during the night. And so for the man who died a thousand years ago, he's just as if he's been asleep for a moment. And when Jesus comes, he wakes. There's another expression in the Old Testament, and I'm, I'm going to read Genesis 25 and verse 8. It says, Genesis 25 verse 8 says, Then Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man full of years, and was gathered to his people. <laughs> Stephen, what does this gathered to his people phrase mean? Now, the same term was used later of Moses and Aaron and being gathered to his people. In 2 Samuel uh, 7 verse 12, it says, And when your days be fulfilled, you shall sleep with your fathers. I will set up your seed after you. So that term, he slept with his fathers, is used um, very commonly in the Old Testament to refer to their death. They went where their fathers went, into the ground, fathers being their mm -hmm. ancestors. And okay, so Alan, where did this idea of an immortal soul come from? Well, it came from the Greeks, these philosophers, Pythagoras and Plato and so on, who lived before the time of Christ. They promoted this idea of the separation of soul and body, and it was all tied up with their ideas of reincarnation and endless cycles of rebirth. And this idea um, infected Judaism. Josephus, the Jewish historian, says that the Pharisees started to accept this belief. And later, some of the early Christian apologists, Tertullian and so on, accepted it. But serious Bible students see it differently. Notice this quote from a, a Bible scholar. He says, according to the Old Testament, man does not have a soul, but is a soul. And so, yes, the Bible's our best answer. It's the Word of God. Thank you very much, Alan. And look, I want to say thank you to you, Stephen, as well, uh, and both of you for your contribution, our thoughts today. Um, it's a very important subject, folks, and, and I hope that what we've been able to bring out from the Old Testament today and what we'll be bringing out in our next episode will be very helpful to you. You know, so often we hear the average person say that their dead loved one is looking down on them regardless of whether they are Christian believers or not. While some may find comfort in this idea, as we have discovered today, this is not what the Bible says. When Jesus said that he is the resurrection and the life, he gave us the assurance that just as he rose from the grave, so all those who fall asleep in Jesus will be raised to eternal life when he returns to this earth. Friend, his word is sure. We can trust Jesus Christ today and always. Well, we're glad you joined us today on Let God Speak. Remember, all past programs plus teacher's notes are available on our website, 3abnaustralia.org.au. 
Email us if you wish on lgs at 3abinaustralia.org.au. Join us again next time. God bless. You have been listening to Let God Speak, a production of 3ABN Australia Television. To catch up on past programs, please visit 3abnaustralia.org.au. Call us in Australia on 02 4973 3456 or email radio at 3abnaustralia.org.au. We'd love to hear from you.